Welcome to the Heads Podcast Special Edition. Comedy of the 70s. Tonight starring Richard Pryor and George Carlin. Now, without further ado, and for your listening pleasure, here's Gary. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, welcome and thanks for coming out for this special edition, Comedy of the 70s. Now, keep in mind, those were different times, and you're going to hear words and themes that make you uncomfortable by today's standards. I've consciously chosen not to edit this because it's a retrospective, and I believe we need to listen to this form of art in its format back in the time that we are focusing on. So if you think you're going to be a little offended, punch out now. This episode is not for you. You know, a lot of big changes occurred in the 70s, and comedy was not immune. A new kind of comedy sprang up. Prior to this, jokes and one-liners were pretty much the standard. But in the 70s, a more edgy political type of comedy emerged. The new comedy was confrontational, it was anti-establishment, it was racial, and it was profane. The new era of comedy was really ushered in by a new hip group of comedians. There were many of them, like Robert Klein, Jerry Seinfeld, Steve Martin, and Andy Kaufman. But the trailblazers, the godfathers of the new comedy of the 1970s, were Richard Pryor and George Carlin. There is no other place for a retrospective like this to begin. Let me show you why that's true. All right, Mr. Wilson, you've done just fine on the Rorschach. Your papers are... Good order. The file's fine. No difficulty with your motor skills. And I think you're probably pretty ready for this job. We got one more uh, kind of psychological test we always do here. It's just a word association. I'll uh, throw you out a few words. Uh, anything that comes to your mind, just throw it back at me, okay? It's just kind of an arbitrary thing. Like if I said dog, you'd say... Tree. Tree. <laughs> dog? Tree. Fast. Snow? Rain. Snow. White? Black. Bean. Pod. Negro? Whitey. Tar baby. What'd you say? Tar baby. Buffet. Colored Redneck Jungle Bunny Peckawoo Birdhead Cracker Spear Chucker White Trash Jungle Bunny Hunker Spade Hunker Hunker Nigger. Dead hunky. I think you're qualified for this job. Uh, how about a starting salary of $5,000? Your mama. Uh, 
$7,500 a year. Your grandma! $15,000, Mr. Wilson. You'll be the highest paid janitor in America. Just don't, don't hurt me, please. Okay. Okay. You want me to start now? Oh, no, no, no. It's all right. I'll clean all this up. I'll take a couple of weeks off. You look tired. <laughs> That was Richard Pryor and Chevy Chase in the first season of Saturday Night Live. That was aired on regular television, late night, of course. But that shows you the impact of these new comedians and this new comedy on the world. Here's one with George Carlin. I think you're going to like this as well. Well, we like war. We like war. We're a war-like people. We like war because we're good at it. And you know why we're good at it? Because we get a lot of practice. This country's only 200 years old, and already we've had 10 major wars. We average a major war every 20 years in this country, so we're good at it. And it's a good thing we are. We're not very good at anything else anymore. Huh? Can't build a decent car. Can't make a TV set or a VCR worth the fuck. Got no steel industry left, can't educate our young people, can't get health care to our old people, but we can bomb the shit out of your country, all right? Huh? We can bomb the shit out of your country, all right? Especially if your country is full of brown people. Oh, we like that, don't we? That's our hobby. That's our new job in the world, bombing brown people. Iraq, Panama, Grenada, Libya, you got some brown people in your country, tell them to watch the fuck out, or we'll goddamn bomb them. Well, when's the last white people you can remember that we bombed? Can you remember the last white, can you remember any white people we've ever bombed? The Germans, those are the only ones, and that's only because they were trying to cut in on our action. They wanted to dominate the world. Bullshit, that's our fucking job. That's our fucking job. If you grew up in the 70s, chances are very good that you idolized both of those guys. So now we have the new comedians. So how did they get so popular? Uh, the 1970s saw the beginning of the comedy club. In New York City, it was the improv, uh, which started in the early 60s, but got big in the 70s. Catch a Rising Star opened in 72. Uh, many careers were launch pads at those places for people like Richard Lewis, Billy Crystal, uh, Freddie Prinze, Jerry Seinfeld, Richard Belzer, and Larry David. The West Coast saw the same explosion of clubs. The Comedy Store opened in 1972, and it gave rise to comics like Richard Pryor, George Carlin, Jay Leno, David Letterman, Robin Williams, and Sam Kinison. Uh, it was so successful, as a matter of fact, that by 1976, two more locations were open. The comedy scene was so hot that in 1975, the Improv opened a West Coast club. Here's a little insight about the clubs from someone who was there. Jim Carrey. So, what do you think of the place? I think we're standing in the middle of a closet. I mean, you can't put a bed in here, much less two. Yeah, but you can fit two sleeping bags right here, plus you got access to a full kitchen, shower, toilet, all semi-functional. We'll take it. Are you serious? That's Jim Carrey. Showtime premiering June 4th. This is 
You made a show about a subject matter that's so rich and personally something I love hearing about. Yeah, absolutely. It's not so loosely based on the comedy store right, and the right. 70s and the yeah. comedians. You were one of it's, those It's comedians. a fictitious history. You were but, uh, you actually lived in the closet at one time. I did, and that's the that's the wonderful uh, Michael Angarano and, and Clark Duke doing a, a couple of characters that come out from Boston, comics that come out from Boston to make it in Hollywood. Hollywood, brother. Yeah, right. And uh, there's... There's little pieces of me all the way through the show. That actual, that line, Hollywood brother, comes from a, a drug dealer that used to hang at the comedy store. Oh, really? And every time he walked up to him and said, how you doing, man? He'd go, Hollywood brother. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Which can be but, taken either way. Yeah. Right. But uh, it's it's an incredible time in history that I got to live, you know. Do you and look back on it fondly that, that absolutely, time? Absolutely, absolutely. To me, it's like the big bang of comedy, you know. It followed Nixon and Watergate and... Uh, the impeachment, all that stuff that was happening back then, not unlike today, that's giving birth to amazing people who, you know, comics who have voices like yourself and uh, and uh, John Oliver and, uh, you know, all, all the wonderful yeah. comics and Bill Maher. Uh, and and uh, there was a need, you know, to tell the truth and cut through the baloney. And, uh, and so it created this phenomenon called the comedy clubs. And it was literally the big bang of comedy. And Who were the guys that you remember? The comedy cosmos. And women, uh, comedians that you remember seeing there. Elaine Boozler. Maybe getting like to that. talk with and, Amazing. And, and admiring. I was, I was standing some nights by myself with Richard Pryor in the parking lot. You know. Wow. And uh, I can't believe I'm standing with Richard Pryor. And he would tell me inside stuff, you know. Uh, we were passing a joint one night, and uh, and he said, uh, "Careful with that." I don't remember forty years of my life. Did that actually? Was he joking? Or no, he, he wasn't that? joking. He wasn't joking. Did but that he resonate loved, with he you? Loved me, and he was so sweet to me. I really got close to him for a while, and uh, and he was so encouraging, so an amazing, such an amazing person. And what a place! What yeah, a time! You watch I... him go up and work out some stuff, you know. And uh, Robin Williams and and uh, Eddie Murphy and. By the end of that decade, some comedians had become so big, they began playing amphitheaters and stadiums. One of those comedians was Steve Martin. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to be honest with you. Um, I do not feel well tonight. <laughs> I woke up this morning with a splitting headache. It was as though my head were in a vice. <laughs> I thought it would go away, but it hasn't. I took some aspirin and meant nothing, but I've decided to continue with the show anyway. Pardon me, what? There's a clamp on my head? Oh! <laughs> oh people they didn't even tell me i went through makeup and everything and nobody said a word i know what you're saying you're saying oh i'll bet he's on drugs well i'll be honest with you i used to smoke marijuana but i would only smoke it in the late evening Oh, occasionally the early evening or mid-evening, but that was it. The late evening, mid-evening, or early evening, but that was it. I Oh, occasionally the early morning or... 
Oh, the mid-morning, but maybe the late morning, but occasionally the early mid-late morning, or sometimes the mid-early morning, or the late afternoon. Sometimes the mid-early late afternoon. Never at dusk. No. I would never smoke at a dusk. No, never, 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 never. Because that's when the little fat men would come. And they would do things to me. They'd go, whoa. For anyone who doesn't remember that skit, uh, Steve Martin came out on stage with a big wooden vice on his head. Um, it was hilarious. It's really a visual more than anything, but just try to use your uh, imagination. Now, the comedy clubs um, were a place where comedians could hone their acts, uh, gain some exposure, um, and even, you know, befriend one another. But the clubs paid literally nothing. Um, imagine the money made by club owners um, in meals and drinks and such once young comics like Freddie Prinze or David Letterman started to become famous. These guys literally filled the clubs but got nothing for their time. Um, eventually, comedians band together and basically went on strike and said, you've got to give us something uh, in return for our performances. Um, they, strike, they struck for about six weeks, and after that time, an agreement was reached where comics would get paid $25 per set for most of the shows. Um, this was big for a couple of reasons. One, you know, they got a little bit of money in their pocket, but also this played a huge role in legitimizing stand-up, um, is people looking at stand-up as a legitimate form of art. By this point, comedians were popping up on variety shows and talk shows in greater numbers. Saturday Night Live premiered in 1975 and gave a boost to comedy that's still felt today. Many of the biggest names would share the fact that they spent time on Saturday Night Live. But the biggest influence of the 70s, the real kingmaker of comedians, had to be The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Carson was a huge supporter of stand-up comedy and would give a spot to a comic almost every night. The comics that he really enjoyed would be invited over to the couch for some back and forth with the late-night king. Um, it was an endorsement. It was national exposure that no club performance could ever provide. Many comics went from obscurity to fame overnight after only one performance on The Tonight Show. Now, one comedian who was already becoming well-known um, was Eddie Murphy, and he was on The Tonight Show January 1st of 1982. Here's Eddie Murphy's first appearance on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. If you have watched Saturday Night Live the past few months, you already know my next guest. He is, uh, he's emerged as one of the brightest lights of, that, of the cast on that show, and this is his first time on The Tonight Program. Would you welcome Eddie Murphy? Eddie? Thank you. Shut up. <laughs> uh, I've been in, um, this is nice, California. I've been out in here for about three days. If anybody's seen me walking around, I have to explain. I had the same suit on for three days. Because <laughs> I like this suit. I bought it from the catalog, and I enjoy it. You ever see those guys modeling clothes in the catalog? 
Ever see those guys doing the same thing in a suit? Every time I put on a suit, I got to go like this. <laughs> I was just outside, standing in the front going. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Anybody ever see those guys that model their underwear in these books? And they smile while they're doing They stand out there going. Did you notice these guys never have no bulge? You ever check that out? And they're standing there in front of millions of people, smiling. First of all, if I didn't have no bulge, I would not be modeling no underwear. Okay. And second of all, I damn sure wouldn't be smiling. <laughs> I might be modeling like this. <laughs> you know, um, Johnny said something about um, buckwheat a little earlier. He's talking about buckwheat. And I did buckwheat on my show, right? And the name buckwheat, I started thinking, right? I'm from a predominantly black family. <laughs> and I have yet to run into a relative named buckwheat at a cookout. You know? <laughs> You can't just walk off the streets and walk up to somebody and say, Hey, how you doing? My name's Tom. What's yours? Oh, my name's Buckwheat, man. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, Buckwheat. That's my name. No, I'm serious. Buck I ain't got no last name. Buckwheat. That's it. I'm serious. You don't believe me? Ain't that right, Stymie? <laughs> hey, here's my brother Stymie over here. You don't even want you to be my other brother. Hold on. Farina! <laughs> yeah, Buckwheat's and Farina. You know how most people name after their father? Me and Farina would name after their father's favorite breakfast. <laughs> Buckwheat San Farina. My mama named all the kids after Syria, man. And my little sister over there, her name's Shredded Wheat. <laughs> yeah, and uh, those are my twin brothers over there, Quisp and Quake. Right there. And that's my littlest brother right there. He's a little slower than everybody else. His name is Special K. <laughs> That day, that's my big sister. She a prostitute. Her name is Trix. <laughs> Stan, Stan Nixter is my big brother. He's homosexual. His name is Lucky Charms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna quit show business. Making my announcement. I'm gonna become a secret service man. It's the truth. Because they have no black secret service men, and we would make better secret service men than white people, truthfully. Because we're more menacing. <laughs> we are. See, we have a different rhythm to us. We see somebody that looks suspicious, we just walk over to the guy and say, Excuse me, man, um, you crowd, Mr. President. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm gonna run for president because we haven't had any black presidents lately either, have we? <laughs> Somebody black should run. It'd be different. We did nothing to lose. It'd be fun, man. It can't get no worse than it's been the past hundred years. I figured, why not take the risk? Everybody's afraid to run though because they know that even though it's 1982, it's still a risky business to be the first black president. <laughs> you know, you have to give speeches like this. My fellow Americans, <laughs> the president up here, we the people must get together and join hands. You want these people over there? I don't think they're too happy about this. <laughs>
black dude in the background. Hey, that ain't funny. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm like, I'm not gonna quit the business. It's, I'm having fun. I bought a new car recently. I ain't gonna say what kind of car it is, but in '82, the cars talk. Did you know that anybody get a new car recently? The cars speak to you. If you leave your lights on, the car will say, Ding! "Lights are on." <laughs> And that's bad, man. I leave my lights on on purpose when I take a girl out. I get out of the car, I say, lights are on. The girl says, did your car say something? I say, yeah, it did. <laughs> but I bought my car from like a black dealer, so it got a different rhythm to it. You leave your lights on, the car say, hey, man, you left your lights on. <laughs> I said the lights is on, man. Damn, what, you blind and deaf? <laughs> <laughs> that basically is the only thing that changed. I still live in the same neighborhood with the new car. That's kind of tough, man. The other day I got inside the car and put the key in to start it up, and the car said, Say, man, somebody stole your battery. <laughs> <laughs> If you haven't seen that clip, I urge you um, to Google it and see it. The the It was hilarious, of course, but also looking back, Eddie Murphy was 21 years old. And just to see how cool he was on that stage is uh, amazing. All right, that's it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back real soon with another one. We're going to cover uh, a bunch of comedians, a couple each episode. Uh, all the men and women who made comedy great in the 70s. Come back and listen for the next one. Thank you very much. Take good care. If there's an audience to be found, you'll be speaking it round, inviting public critique. This is your action news reporter once again, and we're here at the gas station. Pardon me, sir, did you see what happened? Yeah, I see. I was just in here getting my car checked. He disappeared out of the trap. Come streaking around the grease right there. Didn't have nothing on but a smile. I looked in there, and Ethel was getting her cold drink. I hollered, don't look, Ethel! It's too late. She'd already been moved. Flash the rock there in front of the shop and so. He ain't good. Look at it, look at it. He He's always making the news. Red just his tennis shoes. Guess you could call him unique. Once again, your action news reporter in the booth at the gym covering the disturbance at the basketball playoff. Pardon me, sir. Did you see what happened? Yeah, see. Hey, Tom, I was just going down there to get Ethel a snow cone. Here he comes, right out of the cheap seats. Dribbling. Right down the middle of the court. Didn't have on nothing but his P.A. Made a hook shot and got out through the concession stand. I hollered up at Ethel. I said, Don't look, Ethel! It's too late. She'd already got a free shot. Grandstand. Right there in front of the hole. Hey. What is he calling the street? Here it comes again. Who's that with it? Ethel. 
Is that you, Echo? What do you think you're doing? You get your clothes on. Echo, where you go? Echo, you shameless, Echo.